So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, welcome back to the show. Whether you're watching me live or on video or in audio, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for being a listener. If you've not subscribed, this is the first time you're listening to one of the shows, hit the subscribe button on any one of the platforms where you find yourself today. So you probably know at this point that I live in a pretty unique position that I get to be exposed to some of the brightest minds in real estate as a, as a coach, as a thought leader, as a business person, as someone that you know leads workshops and events. But my side hustle is I also invest in CEOs and companies. If you really want to know the backstory why, it keeps me on the pulse of who's doing what in the business. One of my obsessions beyond you taking more listings, beyond you making more money, more net profit. One of the drivers of all that, one of my obsessions is obviously marketing. So today I had the good fortune to uh, interview the CEO of, okay, so Malti, like I was actually thinking about your, your intro. There's so much here, but the note that I wrote down is German basketball player turned CEO of luxury presence, kind of the, the, the go-to site for, luxury agents around the world, thousands and thousands of them that want to have a brand, a website that matches the brand they're putting out in the marketplace. So I'm super pumped today because we're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about your most recent survey. Uh, but Multi, for the people that have never heard you before, met you before, haven't heard of your company, give us kind of just a quick, like, who are you? Who are you and what's the company do? Yeah, I'm the founder and CEO of Luxury Presence. And we have been around since 2015. We work with agents, brokerages, and teams, and we help them build their brand and grow their business using digital marketing. So we offer everything from really great looking websites to paid advertising to help you generate leads, um, all the way to managing your SEO, your social media, your branding, and your design. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, so having spent, uh, enough time in German, in Germany, you know, whether it's there for watching football, World Cup, or of course doing events, uh, you have no German accent. How did yeah. you pull that one off? I've been here for 12 years. I grew up yes. in Germany um, playing basketball, um, yes. not soccer, surprisingly. And yes. I came here um, after playing professionally in Germany, um, had the fortune of coming here on a basketball scholarship and decided I wanted to stay in the U.S., and for me, the path was entrepreneurship. So I started my first business after college and have been founding companies since. Um, the last, latest one is Luxury Presence. We've uh, grown the business to over, over 8,000 uh, real estate customers now yep. and have raised over 30 million from some of the top VCs in Silicon Valley. Um, so we've, we've been very lucky to be able to build a business to this scale. Yes, yes. And spirit of transparency always, I... Got a phone call from Spencer Raskoff, I want to say 18, 24 months ago. And he's like, I'm investing in this company. You should invest in it too. I put in a couple shekels into this business, mainly because I connected with Malti. Like I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm obviously a huge fan of marketing, but what I wanted was access. So, so you guys recently did a survey with about a thousand of your 8,000 customers. 
you know, sort of unpacking their mindset around the market and then a lot around marketing that's working today, whether it's SEO or landing pages and more. So I want to unpack all of that. And then I'd love to spend a little time on leadership as a fellow CEO. You know, we find ourselves probably in a position today that we're needed more than perhaps when the market is just great, right? You know, we, we try not to screw things up when the market is great, but when the market is as interesting as it is right now, when you've got basically the rich and the rest in the real estate industry, uh, you know, you're, you're probably just like myself. I've got clients that are absolutely killing it right now. And I've got some that are, you know, trying to make their way through this maybe third market of their time in the business. So I wanna get into some of that stuff as well. But let's go right first to the survey. So tell us, tell us what, was the, what was the intent behind it? And then tell us some of the things for my listener today that were insightful that they should be thinking about as they're progressing throughout 2023. Yeah, we did the survey because we wanted to really understand three things. We wanted to understand how are agents feeling about this coming year? Um, how are they adjusting to this new market. Uh, we wanted to see what marketing strategies are they most excited about and investing in? Um, and are there changes they're making compared to last year? Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we wanted to understand what are the top agents doing differently than everyone else? How are they thinking about specifically their marketing investments? Love it. So, so unpack that. Like what, what was sort of the, the top two or three things that you heard when you asked the same question of how are you adjusting to this new normal post-pandemic higher interest rate market? What were some of the insights they shared? Yeah. The first thing that surprised me was how optimistic the agents were about this, this year. 75% uh, of them said that they are expecting to grow their business by 10% or more. And 40% believe they will grow their business by 30% or more. So overall, um, a lot more optimism than I maybe would have expect given the market conditions. Why do you think that is, or, or do you have some data points? I mean, it, <clears throat> I see a lot of the same thing. And, and it, for my listener, sometimes when we answer surveys, my experiences were like, of course I'm gonna do better. But in the back of your mind, you're like, holy shit, am I gonna do better? <laughs> So like, just keeping it real. So, so did you get any insight beyond just the numbers and the percentages as to why they feel that way? Um, based on the survey, um, it's clear that agents are making investments and feel like they are definitely able to um, focus on their, their marketing and their branding more than they have in the past. Yeah. And what's clear is that the top agents, they are looking at this market as an opportunity to take market share. And they're still doing business. They feel like uh, things are moving, maybe not as fast as they did over the last couple of years. But a lot of them are saying this is a good time to actually focus on some of those fundamental thing you need, th things you need to build in your business, whether that's revamping your brand, revamping your website, um, figuring out how to produce more content for social. So there's a lot of uh, excitement around that. I'm hearing a lot of the same thing. And for my, for my listener now, you know, as you're, as you're listening to this, uh, everybody's business is different. Everybody's marketplace is different. Uh, but as we, as we're filming this right now, I've already had four or five coaching conversations just in the last, you know, 24 hours with clients. And it's interesting that it's like this slow down to speed up mentality where, you know, during the pandemic, it was just hair on fire every single day, you know, putting out fires, putting deals together, writing offers that weren't getting accepted, taking listings that were selling in 14 seconds. Ah, right. It was just, it was nuts. And I'm finding that a lot of people can kind of sit back and be a little more, a little more strategic now. 
They haven't maybe looked at their brand in a while. They haven't looked to see that their Instagram and their website and their Facebook pages don't match. And one doesn't even have a cell phone number on it, right? Like those kinds of little catches I'm seeing. So, so the one thing you said, it was they're optimistic. Was there anything else under the, how are they feeling about this year that's worthy of sharing? Um, I would say there is a, a shift in terms of the marketing strategies they're using. So that was interesting to me. Let's um, talk about that. Yeah. Um, from uh, 2022, where um, Instagram scored very highly, um, we had a shift to more agents saying that their website and SEO is important to them. Yeah. And YouTube made the list for the first time as a channel. Agents said it's uh, their fourth most important channel this year, which I thought was interesting. So give me the ranking, website, Instagram, what, what, what's the ranking of the top four, like results producing channels for their business? Yeah, we asked what's the most important channel in 2023. Yeah. And the list was website, Instagram, SEO, Facebook, YouTube. Okay. So web, Insta, one more time, web, Insta, SEO, SEO. Facebook, and YouTube. Love it. So for the people that are listening, if you're listening right now, I'm actually taking probably more notes. You might be in your car listening. I'm actually always, look at Malti, always taking notes like crazy. So, so their website, Instagram, SEO, Facebook, and YouTube. And, and what insight do you have for the listener around any one of those? And I would, I would probably point out YouTube because it's just so ridiculously low cost. And what we know today is that 70% of YouTube searches start with the phrase, how do I, how do I buy a home in Beverly Hills? How do I buy my first house? How do I fix up my home to properly sell it for the, whatever it may be. So are you talking that? What, what, what insights did you have around YouTube? Yeah, I still consider YouTube very much a, a green field for agents. There yep. isn't as much competition and it's a great platform for anyone who is creating video content already. So yes. if you're creating video content for your listings, if you are utilizing Instagram reels, it's very easy to expand and create the formats for YouTube. And because there's less competition and because you can run really great pre-roll ads, um, there's a lot of opportunity there to do a lot with the video content you already um, have. So I'm glad you're talking about pre-roll ads. We, we started going aggressive on this about two years ago. And, and I still find it to be one of the lowest cost ways to get traction, whether you are, you know, hey, Beverly Hills homeowner, right? At the beginning of any YouTube video you want to watch and, and remind us of the numbers. Is it like three seconds and you don't pay for it? Is it 15 seconds you don't pay for the ad? But give us like, do you have that insight? Um, I, I actually don't know what it is now. It's, it's, you get a few seconds in the beginning yes. where, where you're not paying unless the visitor continues to watch. Um, so it, it is very cost effective to run these ads. The other thing that I'll, I'll mention is um, it works really well as a retargeting ad. So what we're seeing yes. is if someone has their website set up and you have your pixel in place and you can retarget visitors, um, retargeting them with pre-roll ads on YouTube can be highly effective in bringing them back to your website um, and staying in front of them. Love it. Love it. So what other adjustments you said kind of, you know, 2022 to 2023 Instagram was in the first position. Now it's moved down to the second position. You and I would, would both clearly say Instagram reels 
is where all the action's at, just like YouTube Shorts. What insights around SEO? Yeah, SEO has has been a just a, a, a stable for such a long time, right? Yeah, it, it's been around. It's not new, but it produces for the ones that are focused on it long term. I'd say it's it's like email marketing. It's like your website. Um, if you really want to maximize your scale and amplify what you do online, at some point you're going to have to focus on SEO. I'd say for agents who are maybe just getting started with their online marketing, uh, it can be intimidating. It does take a long time. It is an investment. Um, so a place to start um, often can be a Google business profile. So yes. optimizing that, having regular posts once or twice a week on Google business profile, um, having your citations in place, um, making sure that you're getting your reviews, not just on Zillow, but also getting some on Google. All of those are really great ways to start getting some traffic and start getting some leads from Google. I agree. I agree. We were actually, uh, Jason Pantan and I talking last night about uh, a client named Kelly Bob. So Kelly Bob, I want to say he's from, uh, from West, 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 Texas. Uh, first year in the business, went to Marketing Edge, built his Google business page, and I don't want to misquote the number, but it was an obnoxious number of transactions for a brand new agent who just very quickly realized if I simply fill out every single button that Google asked me to fill out on my business page and when they reach out to me, I pick up the phone. Kelly Bob, if you're listening, super proud of you. Um, you know, again, Kelly Bob, that's a memorable name, even in West Texas. So Google business page for sure. You also mentioned email marketing. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself because you've got all these marketing insights you want to cover, but are you finding that the best agents are doing more email, less email, the same email? What are you, what are you seeing? Um, so email marketing has, has stayed about the same. Um, and I would say it's still extremely important, um, especially if you have a database staying in, in, in front of them. Um, what's interesting to me is that on the average agent in our survey, is only sending a newsletter or an email uh, once a quarter on average. So what that That's tells horrible. me is there's a huge opportunity to do a lot more yes. and to stay in front of your database a lot more than the average agent. For my friend listening right now, uh, you should Google right now or as soon as this show is over, Google uh, current ROI on email marketing. The last time I checked, the ROI was spend a dollar, make 44 right? I mean, it's, it's the fastest free distribution platform on the planet to get your word out, whether it's the most recent video you shot, a reel that blew up, a, you know, a, here's what's going on in town, a new listing. I make the argument, Malti, and I know you, you're agreeing, right? I may see your head nodding, a weekly email to your entire database. <clears throat> Excuse me, a weekly email. That's W-E-E -E in case you're wondering. All right. The third thing you said inside this survey was, what are they doing differently? Unpack some of the insights there. What are people doing differently today that they weren't doing in 2022? Yeah, I mentioned YouTube. I'd say that the high level takeaway and, and some of the differences between the most successful agents, um, we asked for the GCI so we could see how their marketing strategies compare to their level of yeah. income. So some of the things that were very obvious, one was that marketing spend was highly correlated with their GCI. So agents and teams spending more than 50,000 a year on marketing um, make four times as much as those spending between 20 and 50K. So obviously that is not necessarily causation, but it is highly correlated. So that was interesting. 
Um, also, uh, we asked about what strategies and tactics agents are using to market their listings. And we found that the more tactics agents were using to market their listings, um, the higher their GCI. So there was also a, a very strong correlation. Right. Right. And we found the best agents um, market their listings in, in at least six different ways. Yes. Um, for my listener, if you go back to my YouTube channel or even podcast and just type in Jason Pantana Ultimate Listing Launch, I want to say multi. He's up to like 24 different things you can do, everything from Facebook Live standing in front of it, email marketing to your entire database, knocking on doors around, you know, traditional to modern and everything under the sun. And just talking with a uh, client of ours in Chicago, uh, big shout out to Katie. We were chatting about, you know, time on market and, and, and this is a good example. Anybody that's in a higher price point, time on market is significantly longer right now on the higher end. If you're on the West side of Los Angeles, it is significantly longer. And the amount of deals that are falling apart um, is almost shocking talking to a bunch of our luxury brokers. there. not saying everything, but it just, it, it makes the argument for, I need to do more today to market my listings. I don't care if your price point is 200,000 or 15 million. The more you market your listing, the more you get the word out, the more listing attraction you get back because of it, not just the buyers, but more of that. So, all right. The big difference is obviously marketing more listings. What else are, are marketing their listings even more? Currently their spend is higher, which you and I both, you probably saw the same Bain and company uh, piece. Jason talks about it all the time. Companies in a declining market, in a recession, quote unquote market that cut their marketing, never recovered. And those that doubled down on the things that are working had a massive lift in their business. So it makes the same argument. So it sounds like they're all aligned with that thinking. Yeah, they, they are. And we've seen that a lot of in this market, a lot of the advertisers are pulling back. And so cost per lead has gone down. So when we yep. think about paid advertising, it is actually a pretty great time to invest and build your database um, as long as you have um, a long time horizon, right? It's going to be harder to convert these leads. Obviously, you're going to have to do more work in your nurturing and your follow up. Um, but it is a very, very cost effective time to build a database and to generate leads with paid ads. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree. We're seeing it, especially with like YouTube, or not YouTube, excuse me, Google seller lead advertising is lower than say Google buyer, buyer side because of all the mortgage companies that are spending a fortune trying to generate the next, you know, buyer opportunity. So I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. So, so I, I was looking at just sort of insights that I had on the survey. There's everything from them being more optimistic to how they're sort of repositioning their concentration around driving traffic to their website, Instagram, YouTube, SEO, et cetera. In terms of marketing advice, in terms of marketing advice, so let's say the person listening right now is, you know, 10 years in the business, just a, you know, nice median age in, in real estate. Most people get stuck on doing one or two things right? You know, their listing launch, maybe it's calling a few past clients, maybe they become good at open houses. Um, but I think you and I both learned you, you can't be myopic in a market like this and expect to scale. You've got to have multiple lines in the water. So let's talk about some of the, like, whether it's the general guidelines or just the tactics you're seeing your clients are doing that are working and let's kind of go deep. And I'm looking at some of the insights from the survey right now. There's a lot to unpack. So talk to me just from, you know, your perspective, what, what's working in marketing today? 
Yeah, there are a lot of tactics that are working if you do them correctly and if you um, do them consistently. So my mistakes that I see agents make is um, they don't stick to it for long enough to see the results um, or they don't do it correctly. And I don't think you have to do everything. Um, I do think you have to diversify beyond one or two channels. Um, but what I advise agents to do is one, audit your marketing strategy overall. And the way I think about it is as a, a marketing hierarchy of needs. So you have your foundations, that's your website, that's your content, um, that's your brand identity, how you want to sound. All those things have to be in place. Um, the next layer up is okay, hold, really hold your on. How do I How do I audit my website? How do I know if my website's good? You probably know by looking at it. Um, there's a few elements to it. One is the technical side, um, your page load, uh, whether it's built correctly, um, all of the ranking factors, the technical ranking factors that Google takes into account. Um, I don't recommend you as an agent becoming an expert on this. Hire someone who knows what they're doing and have them take care of the technical side. Right. Um, there are reports you can run to get those insights. The second part is the content. This is where you either have to hire someone to do this for you, a copywriter, an editor, or um, you have to start doing some of this yourself. Um, I highly recommend having a blog with regular content on there, building some of these pages that speak to the specific pain points of your customers, whether that's yep. a buyer page or a seller page or a page that shows how you market listings and some success stories and case studies. Yes. Um, so that's the, the content side of, of your website. And both of those are important. So I want to give a little shout out, um, upwork.com, which most of you know, if you went to upwork.com and said, I need one to two blogs a week written about my local real estate, you know, marketplace, you could find somebody for probably 60 or 70 bucks that would write those articles. I was in uh, I was doing a roadmap to multi, um, I forget where I was. Uh, I want to say it was maybe Los Angeles, the very first one. Young guy walks out to me. He was from Detroit and, you know, pretty sharp young guy, newer to the business, really, uh, you know, really felt just in his presence. He had some SEO savviness. He said, I'm using chat GPT. He said, I've got, you know, like a basic website that I can manipulate myself, which I know you and I don't recommend, but just hear me out. He said, I went to chat GPT and I typed in, uh, what are the most important SEO search terms, short term, long tail, you know, kind of try to find the crazy stuff and the obvious stuff for Detroit real estate. Boom. It pulls up the list. And then he's like, write me two blogs with those four, write me two blogs with those. And he literally just said, I went through my entire website from beginning to end. And I just added in all the C, all the key SEO terms inside of my blogs. And he's like, I'm like, how's it going? He's like, I started like 45 days ago. I've got a nice little lifted traffic. So, so there are some DIY people out there. I just, I'm with you. I just don't recommend it. If that stops me from making phone calls and booking appointments and scheduling appointments and going on appointments, to me, it's a bad idea. Yeah. F figure out what your zone of genius is and spend yeah. your time there and, and hire for everything else. I think yeah. that's the case for anyone who, who's looking to scale a business. If you're very early on and you don't have the budget, learn how to do it yourself. But right. as soon as you reach that point where you can afford to get help, um, I would recommend that as well. 
Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work and the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. So the website is the look, the technical side, which, you know, for the, for maybe someone that's not, it's, it's, it's the speed load. It's like, how fast does your page load? Google will actually tell you all this information about your site, which is great. Um, and then all the technical stuff. And then I, I agree it's content, 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 anything else on the foundational sort of audit of my website, like CTA pages, calls to action, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I would uh, place that in the in the content bucket. So obviously, the copy matters a lot, and your CTAs matters a lot. What offers you have that will get someone to convert and ultimately give you their contact information? I would place all that under content, and a, a great copywriter will know how to do that. Um, the third big bucket is the design, and yeah. there are lots of studies around this. But uh, most visitors will make up their mind within seconds of landing on your site if they're going to stay and if they're going to trust you, and that's entirely based on the look and feel whether it looks professional, whether it's beautifully designed. Right. And again, mobile optimized versus, you know, desktop, op, you know, even, even just that, like take your, take your website, look at it on a Google phone, take your website, look at it on an Apple, take your website. I don't know, look at it on any other phone out there versus your desktop. And, and, and that translation, we know today, everybody is on their phone looking at stuff. And it shocks me when I look at professional organizations, multi that I'm like, I go to their website, I'm on their desktop. Then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go look as I'm walking down. And I'm like, I literally find myself squinting because the text shrinks down to where I can't even see it. And they're trying to run the entire front page on an iPhone. Yeah. Like, what, well, what, what is my who's mind doing that this? That there's still every, yeah. today, large companies right. that don't have responsive websites. Um, right. That is very much the one-on-one of web design. Yeah. But I know like for my, for my friend listening right now, he or she has seen the same thing. You know what I'm talking about where you look at it and you're like, what, what is this? All right. So design offers, CTAs, blogging, the speed of it, the look of it. You said audit. Is there anything else inside the audit that this person should be listening to or thinking about right now, whether it's on their social channels or others? Yeah, you can actually run a full SEO audit. Um, there are tools out there like SEMrush lets you just put in your domain. You're probably not going to know what a lot of the ranking factors mean unless you're a trained SEO expert, but it will give you an overall score. It will tell you whether you need to work on your page load time. So there's a lot of insights you can draw from some of these uh, technical reports. Um, so those are, those are pretty helpful. And then on the content side, just put yourself in the shoes of one of your clients. If you come to the website, is it interesting? Would you stay on? Are you giving great information? Um, it's pretty straightforward, but you really have to invest in, in that, the content side of things um, to make a great website. Yeah. I was on a website and I won't say the name because it's, it, you know, not in, just in fairness to them, but they were the local market expert of this area. And the last blog was like July and I was looking at it in January. I was like, wow, did you get out of business? So, so there's a, there's a double-edged sword to content, right? If you don't keep it, it's like reviews. If, if your last review was four or five months ago and the consumer sees that, 
They're like, oh, I guess she stopped selling houses. So it's about steady content, steady reviews, right? And in this case, right, all the above, that's what's going to make it work. All right, let's, let's, look at, let's look at what else was on this list. I mentioned, you know, chat GPT. One of the things you came up with was around content. What are you finding to be, and we, we sort of talked about it for a second there. What are you finding to be the, the easier ways for agents to get content on their blog for their emails and others? Because we, we all don't want to be putting out the same content. Yeah. Uh, GPT-3 can be a really helpful tool. Yeah. And I expect the next few years will be about giving professional superpowers. And we'll, we're yes. seeing this with marketing. The best writers will be able to produce five, 10 times as much content. Right. But you still need a great editor yes. to look it over. So the word of caution is don't just put something into GPT-3, copy and paste it over to your website. That could actually be detrimental. Right. Um, as Google does not like this type of content. So you still have to infuse it with your expertise you still have to make sure that everything's accurate. There are lots of examples out there of GPT-3 coming up with hallucinations, with just information that's factually wrong. Right. And we're in a business where accuracy matters a lot. So um, I would be careful and I would recommend always having an editor who pr proofreads everything, whether that's right. you or somebody you hire. I've heard people say, I took a most recent article from Bloomberg and said, at, you know, add this Bloomberg national real estate news and then incorporate these 10 data points into where in a in Minneapolis, right? In Dinah, you know, Minnesota and watching it rewrite that. I've seen that kind of stuff work. Do you have thoughts on that? I mean, I'm not recommending, I'm just telling you, I'm watching people try their best to get really good talking points and then make it more localized to their area with some data points. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a much better approach. Um, GPT-3 can be great for research and it can be great to summarize information that you've verified. I think yes. for those two use cases, uh, it works uh, impressively well, impressively well. Okay. So I can't believe that I didn't bring this up yesterday. Uh, God, I didn't know what day yesterday. I think yesterday was Monday and, uh, you know, up early, hit the gym, do my thing. And, and, and for my, for my listener, I really do not look at the news except for, a couple of real estate related pieces, Bloomberg. I want to know globally what's going on. I want to know what's happening with banks and all that kind of stuff. And uh, like the, the first headline was in the U S 20 States have now banned TikTok for, you know, any government use and universities. Now I, I got Jordan sitting over here. Jordan, do you like TikTok? Okay. Do you know that the CEO of TikTok won't let his kid use it? Do you know that in China you have to be 13 years or older to use TikTok? right? And they limit the amount of fun time they get, but they get a lot of educational time. So is it interesting to think that the founders of TikTok won't let their kid use it and they won't let kids under age 13 have access to it. And then they limit the amount of time. Like the phone will just shut off. The app will just stop. And yet we know people today that go, I have nothing going on. And then they spend 11 hours on TikTok. So, so I, I'm going to say publicly, I am a fan of banning TikTok, not, not for the reason you might be thinking, because it's making people stupid. So I know TikTok is on your list. I hope I didn't just kill everything you yeah. wanted to talk about with no. TikTok. No, I, I tend to agree with you. I, as a marketer, what I would recommend is not just building your audience on TikTok, because there is a high chance that it will get banned. And yes. 
I would focus on IG reels instead. Yep. 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 I agree. And then someone will come out with another variation that has a little more compliance, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I agree. I, I'm glad you, I'm glad we are aligned. You know, it's okay yeah, for you and I to disagree. To your, but your earlier point around diversifying, right? If you have yes. all of your followers, all of your audience on one platform, you have incredible platform risk. Um, so Absolutely. it's always best to make sure that you're building on, on at least two or three yeah. um, so, social networks. So while we're talking about that, you know, our, our non-mutual friend, Elon Musk, uh, I've noticed a tremendous lift on my Twitter, like on my Twitter account. It's been nuts. What are you seeing? Yeah, at Twitter, I see um, definitely there's an opportunity for people who lean in. I, I don't typically see a lot of agents do it. And I don't know if that's because of the format or because of the work it actually takes to come up with tweets. It's harder to outsource. So that may be a part of it. But um, it is a great platform. And I, I would agree there's there's an opportunity right now. Um, the, the reach is still great. Um, the same goes for LinkedIn. I think both I of these platforms, if yep. you like the written format and you have a lot of expertise to share, both of these work really great. Yeah. And, and for my, for my consistent content developer, someone that's doing a lot of content, remember having your videos transcribed into text for your blog, for your Twitter account, for your Facebook account. Cause some people do actually still like to read, which encourages me, but mostly for LinkedIn, right? Even if you link the video and then you have the written text below it, you know, I, I still see a lot of engagement more so in the last, like probably four or five years on LinkedIn but Twitter just, you know, really since Elon Musk, I've just seen a spike in numbers and connectivity. I'm seeing, you know, I'm actually seeing more people that I follow that are actually showing up in my stream, which is kind of nice as well. Um, let's go back to email. You mentioned that the average agent you're talking to, 8,000 of the best, are only sending a newsletter once a quarter. If you could wave a magic wand, because you and I both know how much traffic you can drive to your website with email. If you could wave a magic wand, what would be the ideal weekly, monthly cadence for all of your clients when it comes to email? Yeah, uh, I would say you can easily touch your database once or twice a week without yeah. overdoing it. Um, if you wanna do more, it really comes down to providing enough value. Typically, people get annoyed at emails only if the email is not valuable. And right. so as long as you're putting out enough valuable content, you're including that in your emails, I'd say twice a week is, is a good cadence. I agree. So I want to just remind the person listening, you could DJ others content, AKA uh, there's an interesting local article about real estate. You repost that in your email, maybe even a link to the article, and then you give me your opinion about it. See, uh, you and I both know multi, every agent on the planet has an opinion about real estate. And if I say, Hey, what do you think about this price? They have an opinion. If I say, what do you think about the fact that four bedroom, three baths continue to sell at a record price? Uh, you know, but two bedroom, one baths seem to be slow right now. Just using that as an example, they've got an opinion. I say, whether it's KCM data, whether it is your local data, you can just include what are other people saying about real estate, then give me your opinion. Cause you're my expert. You're the one I want to know about. And, and again, that plus your most recent video, plus maybe here's what's happening around town. By the way, a great email to send right now is name your price. Just subject line, name your price. Hey, Jimmy, you know, uh, 
I would list my house in the spring if I can get this much for it. Let me know your price. Even, even just simple CTA emails like that. Now you can't do that every week, but you can do that once every 60 days. And you're going to find not just a lot of traffic to your site, more engagement, more leads, more opportunities. So you and I are in the same. You say, I say once a week, you're saying twice a week if the content's right. That's right. And if you have trouble coming up with content ideas, the easiest thing to do is keep a list of all the questions your clients are asking you and then create content for each of those questions. All right. So recently, I, I agree. That's a great point. And even surveying your clients as you just did, like a little survey monkey, what's on your mind with real estate? Where do you think home prices are going? What are the four to five things you're concerned about? What are the four to five things you're doing? And then to be able to say, I recently surveyed, you know, 200 of my best clients and they told me these 11 things. That's valuable content and also gonna be really good for SEO. One last tip uh, for my listener. There's a site called Answer the Public. Answer the Public. Answer the Public. And I forget it's .com or .io or whatever it is. It's when you go answer the public, it's that one. If you go to answer the public, and you type in, for example, um, you know, Texas real estate or Houston real estate or Beverly Hills West Side real estate, it will then scrape the internet and give you a word cloud of 40 to 50 questions that people are asking specifically about that. So the more nuanced you get, the more the questions will become redundant. You'll find out of, you know, a, a, a word cloud, maybe you'll find seven or eight. So Malti, I've been doing this for years where I take What's answer the public. Then now I go to chat GPT three and I say, write me two paragraphs, the answer to this question and bam, it starts spitting out content. It's so easy, but again, it's SEO friendly because it's the, the keywords that people are using that already in their search. And then chat GPT writes it. And then I just manipulate it, tweak it, make it sound like me, etc. So just a little final note on content. Um, Somebody's going to ask me about SEO. Somebody's going to say, hey, multi, I'm in the high end. I'm in Manhattan. It's so hard. It's so hard to be, because, you know, every major platform arbitrage company out there is spending a fortune to be high up in the ranks. How does somebody compete if you're in a marketplace like Manhattan, in a place like Aspen, in a place like Miami, in a place like Toronto, in a place like Sydney, Australia, how do they compete? Yeah, it's a great question. And it is hard. It's not supposed to be easy because there are a lot of agents who are all in the market for that same top spot, right? Um, if you Google Manhattan real estate agent, you actually see Noble Black, who's one of our customers in that yeah. first position. I know, Noble. And yeah. Good man. I, I can tell you how we got him there. Um, yeah. The first thing is your on-page optimizations. We talked about that earlier. It's the technical side of things. It's mm -hmm. the content. Yeah. At least for a market like Manhattan, at least 60 pieces of content on your blog before you have a chance to rank for some of these top top keywords. The second can bucket I just, is just, page. But mm -hmm. can I put 60 pieces in at once or is it over layering time. it? over? over and your expect expectation should be it will take six to 12 months at least yeah to start getting to the first page. Yeah. Um, Google just takes time to understand the content on your site, to index it. And so, you know, you have to be patient when it comes to SEO. The I second thing is your off-page SEO. This is mostly um, based on the links to your site. So other websites, whether that's yeah. news outlets or local vendors you're partnered with, linking to your website, that continues to be a, a really yeah. important ranking factor. Um, and then the third one I mentioned, um, the technical side. Um, so 
on page, off page and technical. And I like the expectation six to 12 months, which I mean, if you're geographic farming, any, any business endeavor to see the real results takes time, right? If you get fast results, I usually get nervous because it means it's probably a one hit wonder versus like a sustainable pillar of your business. Okay. Let's switch gears. I know we've been going for a while here. This has been super insightful. Uh, how long have you been a CEO in the, in the new business? Uh, in this business since 2016. Okay. So 2016. So you saw the rise of decent, you know, decent interest rates, low inventory straight into the summer of 2018 when the rates got to almost five and, and everybody thought no one will ever buy a house again, as long as we're alive. 2019 was kind of a meh year, right? For most people, 2020, 2021, 2022, absolute hair on fire. What looking back at that versus today, what are some of the most important leadership lessons you learned during the pandemic and after the pandemic? Yeah. Um, it all starts with your culture, especially during the difficult times. And if you're building a great team with great people, um, the culture is what keeps everyone uh, motivated when things get difficult and when the, the external uh, environment changes. Um, and so I've learned to be very deliberate, deliberate about our company culture, um, talking about the things we want and the things we don't want and making sure that we're screening for that and that we're hiring people who fit that company culture. So that's probably the first one. Um, the second one is the importance of the right team. I mentioned earlier, uh, finding your zone of genius as a founder, as a business owner is really important because then you can hire for your weaknesses and make sure that you're spending as much of your time as possible in your zone of genius, um, doing the things that only you can do, um, where you're significantly better than everyone else. Um, I often find um, that business owners have trouble letting go of things. Um, I was that way early in the business. I wanted to do everything myself and it was really hard for me to let, let go of things. Uh, but I've learned that in order to scale, you have to do that. You have to find people who are better than you and then get out of their way and let them do their thing. Right. So culture, right people, zone of genius. You got me at ZOG. How do I know what my, I, I would always say Habu, what is my highest and best use? But I think zone of genius is different. How do you, how do you define it? How do I find it? Look, I just grabbed more notes. I'm taking more yeah. notes than anybody. Yeah, um, I would define it as the tasks that uh, you are uniquely qualified to do and that bring you energy. So it has to be both of those things. It has to be something that um, you're really good at um, and also something that you really enjoy doing. Um, I found that there were a lot of things that I was decent at that I didn't enjoy doing. And what happens if you spend too much of your time on those um, you run out of energy, you run out of steam and building a successful business, it takes years, sometimes decades, right? And so it really matters. It's a marathon. It really matters um, that you keep uh, a great energy throughout and that you set up your life in a way that's sustainable. So I would add just one thing. Energy is also money, right? Like it, it brings results and it, it like, I feel good when I do it. I know I'm serving others when I do it. I'm, you know, I'm making a difference when I do it and it makes the cash register ring. 
Because we just might have somebody say, well, you know what I love doing is I love picking flowers and I'm really good at it. Well, that's not going to make you any money, right? Unless you're, I don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk stealing flowers when he was like seven and selling them to his neighbors. So I love that. Z-O-G, zone of genius. Uh, let's talk about hiring people. What are you finding? Like you guys are in Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles has become a very interesting hiring market. What are you guys doing differently today to attract talent are you all remote? Are you all inside the office? Are you still hybrid? What do you think is the future of that? Talk to me. Yeah, we, we started in LA. So our first 40 hires were in LA and then COVID hit and we continued to scale remotely. So now we are remote first with our largest office actually in Austin with yep. over 60 people there and we have over 600 people on the team, most of which are remote. And for us, there's no going back. Um, yeah. And a lot of the companies I talk to, they're in the same boat. They've hired talent all across the U.S. or internationally. Um, and the advantages are very obvious, right? It's um, lower cost talent. It's a much larger pool of talent. Yeah. So yeah. for us, it's really worked. Um, we've just had to be more deliberate but deliber deliberate about, um, again, our company culture, communication. You know, all of those things obviously are harder in a remote environment. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, I feel bad for a lot of commercial real estate owners. I'll just say that. Yeah. Tough times. Yeah. It's a um, troublesome sector, especially in, in some of the major cities that are, you know, kind yeah. of on the coasts, I'll just say. All right. So Malti, this has been interesting, man. We unpacked a lot of stuff here. Uh, how do they reach you if they want to connect with you? Obviously they know go yeah. to luxurypresence.com, check out, you know, everything you guys are doing. If somebody wanted to go a little deeper, ask a couple questions, um, you know, what about that? And I got to ask about Dirk. Are you going to introduce me to Dirk now that I live in Dallas? Um, I can do that. Uh, he's an investor in luxury presence as well. Um, the quick backstory here is I grew up playing basketball and uh, would wake up in the middle of the night to watch Mavs games. Yeah. Uh, I was a huge Dirk Nowitzki fan. And yeah. he was a big part of the inspiration to come to the U.S. I saw sure. him do it and wanted to follow in his footsteps. And then fast forward, you know, 15 years or 20 years, and uh, I got the chance to pitch him on Luxury Presence and he became an investor. So that's been a lot of fun getting to know him. That's awesome. Um, okay, I got to yeah. ask, what do you think of Luca? I know he's not German, but what do you think? He's unbelievable. He's, he's yeah. uh, you know, clearly one of the best right now. And I'm still a huge Mass fan. So um, it's an exciting time to be a Mass fan. I agree. I agree. Let's go, Kyrie. All right. So how do they reach you? How do they reach you if they want to connect? Instagram, Facebook, email, cell phone. What do you got? Email works great. Multi at luxurypresence.com. Um, shoot me a note and I uh, would love to connect. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you soon. I wish you were here in Dallas with me. We got to get together face to face soon. Maybe a brunch with Dirk somewhere in Dallas. All right, brother. Thank you so much. I hope everybody reaches out and connects. For my friend listening, thank you so much for being a part of this. I'm sure if you're like me, I literally have like seven pages of notes. I hope you're doing the same. I'm actually going to go talk to my team right now and say, here's some things we can adjust. So Malti, thank you, brother. I look forward to seeing you soon. Take care. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.